Bianca Krzyzewski is here in studio. And when Bianca was 13 years old, she was hidden away for two years by a Christian couple as the Nazis basically, well, we all know the story, tried to eliminate every single Jew. But when this couple went to work, Bianca was left completely alone and unable to go outside the tiny apartment all day, every day, for pretty much two years, not even allowed to flush the toilet during the day. And her mother would visit once a week to bring books for her to study by herself. And eventually, everyone she knew, including her parents, were killed. Uh, many of them were made to dig trenches, and then they were shot and buried in those very same trenches. Well, today, Bianca is, well, don't tell anybody, but she's 88 years old. And uh, she joins us in studio to share stories of a time we must remember. Her story has been included in a book called Before All Memory is Lost, a one-of-a-kind collection of memoirs, poetry, and diary excerpts from women Canadian Holocaust survivors. These remarkable stories of courage, terror, family, and loss depict the experiences of women facing unimaginable situations and their struggles to save themselves and all they cherish. This is the Holocaust through the eyes of sister survivors. And we have a link on our website for you to find this book and get it for yourself. But without any further ado, Bianca, how are you? I'm Thank you. Yeah? Yeah. Have you ever done radio before? No, not really, no. It's nothing special, really. It's just you and me sitting here across from each other. Yeah. Um, I want to start off, and, you know, I, I said to you earlier, we could, you and I could probably chat for hours, but I want to start off just highlighting some of the good times. Middle-class family. Yes. Vacations. Memories of your father making up stories as he told them and dancing with you while he sang a waltz or a polka. Right. <laughs> Great memories yeah. like that. Great memories. What was your favorite treat when your dad took you out for a treat? Was it Italian ice cream or Neapolitan honey cake or cream puff or chocolate eclair? What was it? It was chocolate eclairs and Neapolitan. It was called Neapolitan. Neapolitan. Um, in a coffee shop in, in Lodz, which was the second largest city in, in Poland. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a coffee shop called Piątkowski. And my father used to take me there maybe once a week sometimes for this special treat. Yeah. Beautiful. And your mom, from what I understand, your mom, your mother was so beautiful that there was even this one girl that would stand waiting for her to pass by. Yes, that's true. Actually, this girl happened to be my teacher in the ghetto, secret teacher um, of history, mm -hmm. because we used to go to different teachers hiding out books under our coats, uh, and the teachers were in the ghetto. Uh, each family had one room at that time, um, so we went to her for his. I went to her for history, mm -hmm. and to another teacher for other subjects, other teachers. And she was the one who told me that uh, when she was little or young, very young, yeah. my mother used to come from university in Warsaw back home to a place called Wotsławek, where they lived. And she would wait and watch for Renia. That's my mother's name, Regina, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah. everybody called her Renia, um, because she was so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful brown, almond-shaped eyes. Right. Yeah. 
you cried yourself sick at summer camp because you missed her so much. I did the same thing with my mom. Yes. I got homesick, like yeah. literally sick. Yeah. Well, not sick, but well, I, I, I was crying. Yes, I wasn't very happy. I wasn't happy. And she would take you. Do you remember the time she took you to an outdoor skating rink and the music was playing? And Yes, yes. Um, that's how I learned how to skate. To skate, yeah. Yeah, before the war. Yeah. And uh, we used to take you to children's plays and puppet shows. That's and right. That's right. Yes. You still re- can you still remember the smell of your mother? I, I can remember the smell of my mother. Yes, I, I think I can. I yeah. think I can, yes. When yes. you were six, you would put that green uh, knitted... Uh, is that, what is this? Yeah, yes, some kind of a... Yes, a, it's something that she knitted. Yeah. Yes, a little cover yeah. over me. Yeah. Put me on the potty. Yeah. <laughs> and covered me up so that I wouldn't be cold. <laughs> Pilot and the Crew. Do you remember a game called Pilot and the Crew yeah. that you used to play with your brother? Uh, and he, and you it? were the crew and he was the pilot. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. What did you call it? What was the name of that game in your uh, language? I don't remember no. now, but I know that uh, we sh- at that time we were little. We shared the same room. Yeah. And he would come in the morning, he would come into my bed. He would say, you are the passenger. I am the pilot. <laughs> You are the crew. And you know, we are in the plane. Did he have a nickname for you? Oh, yes, he did. All kinds of All nicknames. All kinds of nicknames. Yeah, yeah. One was Szmatka, which is a little piece of rag. Szmatka. <laughs> okay. Or Usha Shusha. Bianusha is, is a diminutive of Bianca. Okay. So, end of it, Usha. Shusha means it's going pee pee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And he was a bit of a stamp collector. Yes, he had stamp. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he taught you to whistle and to balance a broom on your fingers. That's and right. Yes. Play chess and checkers. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. What does this mean to you? Rum tum masa kasa hopsa. I can't even say hopsa the rest. Hopsa Yeah. Ratatata. Trasne mlasne. Boom, what is that? This was uh, magic. Yes. Uh, when I was, uh, when we were at, uh, just before, I think it was just before the war or maybe just, um, in a summer uh, place with my mother and I. And then he was 15. So he was able to, so he brought a friend of his and they had another room, mm-hmm. another boy. And my mother used to play uh, bridge or Remy bridge. It was called the Remy bridge okay. downstairs sometimes in the evening. I had to go to bed upstairs and I was afraid. So my, my brother would come to my, to my room mm-hmm. and make magic. And he said, when you listen to that, after that, you'll be fine. So he said this rum tum tum masakasa and etc. Say it all again for me one more time. Rum tum tum masakasa hopsa poubie ratatata trasne mlasne poubie trasne boom sick. And I was fine. And you were fine. And I was fine after that. You know what it took for me to be not afraid of the dark or to, to be able yeah. to go to sleep? My mom had to say sweet dreams. If she, didn't say, if she didn't say sweet dreams, I would get out of bed, go get her, get her to come back and say sweet dreams. <laughs> yeah. Remember visiting your grandfather one winter, your mother's father, I believe, and yes. you were picked up from the train by what? 
Do you remember? By uh, Horse Wagon. Mm-hmm. It was called Britschka. Uh, and, yeah, that's where we went to his uh, Horse place. sleigh, and you had blankets. Oh, yes, it was horse sleighs. That's right. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're right. And yes. sleigh bells. Yes, yes, you're right. I forgot. Yeah. See, uh, what I'm trying to do for our listeners is just paint this beautiful life you had. Oh, yes, yes. Because people think about, oh, Holocaust survivor and, you know, hidden and maybe persecuted. You know, and it was always bad and it was always dark and it was always grim. No, it not wasn't. Not before the war. No. no. Not before the war. I had a very good life. My father was traveling and bring what he brought for me always from, the, I don't know why, from different countries, big bows for my hair. Mm. Um, because he was he was traveling to England, mm-hmm. to Germany before the war, to France, yeah, to different places. One day the Germans dragged my grandmother from the toilet where she had hidden and took her away. We had to forcibly restrain my father from attacking the Germans. He went crazy and shouted. We had to hide him and cover his mouth. Later, we found out that they buried my grandmother alive. Well, you see, what happened at that time, we were working in a factory, in this Mr. Schultz factory, within the ghetto. And there were supposed to be only people who were fairly young and healthy, no children and no old people. So my mother, my grandmother stayed in this tiny apartment that they had. And when the Germans, when somebody came, she hid in the bathroom. Hmm. But of course, they broke the door. And uh, we saw my grandmother being dragged on the ground by the Germans, this 80-year-old woman, little woman, and we saw it when we were in the uh, plant, in the factory, over the fence. And my father was going to run and, 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 and do something, you know. Sure. We had to hold him because they would have sh- shot him immediately. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we found out eventually that she was dragged, put life into a... Um, I'm missing words now. Into a grave. I do a radio show and I miss words all the time. So it's okay. And she was buried alive. Yeah. 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 This this eight years old religious woman, very she was the one that was really religious. Mm-hmm. She wanted your she wanted your father to be a rabbi. Yeah, she was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he was not. I'm I'm going to read some excerpts from your chapter in, in this book that we had mentioned earlier. Yes. And uh You know, it's impossible to to discuss all of it during the show here, but these are little snapshots of what really happened. Right. One day, the Germans came and told us that the next day we would all have to go to another street for a selection. Since no children were supposed to be in the shop, we stuffed my mother's sister, Roma, and her six-year-old son, Gabris, into a hole in the wall of the building and put bricks over it. A couple who had a three-year-old boy and a baby girl who had polio somehow managed to throw the boy over the wall in a sack to the Aryan side of Warsaw. They gave cyanide to the little girl by putting it in her milk bottle. When we returned after a day, the little girl sat in her stroller with a bullet through her head. 
as I read this to you, this the, the this is your life. This is these are the things you lived. But when someone else reads it back to you, where do you go in your in your mind? Do you go right back to that time? Oh, yes. Do you? Oh, yes, exactly. Yes. Do you? Yes, I see it again. Yeah. Yes. Is it? What is? I don't know what that feels like to go have to go back in my mind to that sort of a time. What does it feel like? Does it feel suppressive? Does it feel dark? Does it just feel like it's a story that you were never really a part of? And it, and it was a fantasy, and maybe it didn't actually, a dream, it didn't happen. Or does it feel no, heavy? No, it feels, it feels real, it feels heavy. Yeah. And actually, it's never away from me, you know. It's, it's, it's always especially there. Especially now when my husband isn't here and I'm alone, all, this thing, all these things come back to me. And uh, it's very hard to live now for me. You must, you must, uh, you must miss Ludwig. Oh, enormously, yes. How many years has he been gone? Five, yeah. yeah. I can't even believe it, yeah. Ludwig Krosevsky passed away in the hospital on January 21st, 2012, surrounded by loved ones. The World War II Spitfire pilot of the famous Polish 303 Squadron with the RAF was awarded three Medals of Valor. He completed his studies in Glasgow, Scotland, where he met his future wife, this beautiful woman named Bianca. Thank you. <laughs> Ludwig worked for many years as chief engineer for St. Lawrence Cement Company and vice president of Holtec Consulting. After retiring, he worked as a volunteer for CISO? Kesso. Kesso? C-E-S-O? Kesso, yes. Okay. Deeply loved by his wife of 60 years. Bianca. And you have two beautiful daughters, Renata, Tamara, son-in-law, grandchildren. But your entire life being alone has been scary for you. Yes, it has been. But, um, you know, when I, when I was with my husband, when I met my husband, I was with my husband. Yeah. And I had children, and I had grandchildren, and I studied, and I taught, and I interpreted. I was busy, and I was happy. But now that he's not here, and I'm alone, it all comes back. Comes back, and back yeah, and back. yeah. I want to read another section of this book. My grandfather marched with us, trying to look straight and healthy. My family was very concerned about me because of how young I was, only 13. To avoid being selected, I had rouge on my cheeks to make me look healthy. My hair was put up in a bun to make me look older, and I wore high heels. Many of the people from the shops did not come back after this day. As the, the Shops means factories. Yeah, the factories, yeah, yeah, yeah. As the columns of people were passing all night, we heard listening from the house the Germans stuffed us all into, the cries and screams of children as they were being torn away from their parents and taken away to be killed. We saw the mothers trying to hang on to their children, being hit over the head with rifles. We spent terrible nights in these abandoned buildings. When our turn came to march, I did not know what the Germans had slapped uh, my father's face, he slapped in his face. Tell me about this, this interaction specifically. I don't remember it. I don't remember how it happened, but I know that it happened. 
While we were waiting, I begged my mother not to let me go and to come with me. We were lucky this time. We came back and and dug Gabrus and his mother out from the wall. And that's when we saw the baby in the stroller with the bullet in her head. Yeah. What don't I get? I have not lived your life. I did not go through what you went through. I will never understand this. Mm-hmm. But what... What do you what do you want me to understand? What do you want me to get? Bianca? What I want you to get just to make sure that people know what happened and what's happening now in other countries and to other people and do something somehow help do something. I don't know what because I can't do anything now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The only thing I did was trying to go to schools and talk about it. Um, but that was all I could do. I, I want to reach you just a, a, another quick little thing here, and then I want to ask you a, a, a question, Bianca. You wrote, my grandfather committed suicide before the Nazis could take him. I remember my mother saying, what kind of world has it come to that a daughter should be thankful that her father has killed himself? That was when we were hiding already outside of, of the ghetto yeah. in Warsaw. Yeah. We yes, just we this was a better outcome than would have awaited him right. if he had not. But we just spoke with General Romeo Dallaire, who led the peacekeeping mission during the Rwandan genocide. Right. And he watched almost a million people be killed with machetes, yeah. bleeding all Like he said, the, the smell of blood was in the air. And he suffers tremendously from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes. What about you? Do you think there's I, any, um, there must be some leftover residual effect of this, this that you saw and well, endured. You, you know what happened? When my children, while my children were, were with me, I was all right. When my youngest daughter went to school, to nursery school even, mm-hmm. and I was alone at home, my husband was at work, I um, be, I fell into depression, really mm-hmm. deep depression. I had to be hospitalized in Hamilton, St. Joseph's, I think, hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were giving me, um, I can't find the word now. Yeah, whatever it was, they injected something in me, okay. into me. Okay. And it didn't make me better. Uh, I went back home after a few weeks, couple of weeks, three weeks, I don't remember. and. Then I started, for one thing, I started going to St. Lawrence Cement where my husband was working. They had a Spanish uh, teacher, a Berlitz teacher, twice a week, who was teaching them Spanish. And the wives could come and study with with her too, which I did. I left my younger daughter with a neighbor and I used to come Mm -hmm. there. And then eventually, because I knew some Spanish, I went to... Toronto University night classes and um, very soon after that I started working as an interpreter I started teaching Spanish to uh, actually engineers starting from St. Lawrence Cement and others other people who were coming to my classes at Purdue High School in Oakville Mm. at night Mm -hmm. I think once a week it was 
So I, you started you started learning and 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 getting out there and in, and investing and, in people and, and teaching and, and working and working working yeah. interpreting in courts in Polish and Spanish uh-huh. um, in immigration refugee boards uh, again in Polish and Spanish uh, all over Ontario really good for you so so that's that's so, what kept me. But many Sane. sure, sure. But yes. ma- many people can't. They can't get there. You know, they get stuck. Yeah. They they yeah. they sit at home and they and they spin down. Yes. You know, you yes. did that. Well, I was lucky. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day in November 1943, uh, there was news that uh, concentration camp where your brother was had been destroyed, and everybody in the camp had been murdered. But just before this news, your brother had somehow smuggled out a letter from the camp to your parents asking them to, to send him some warm clothing. And you say, my mother clung to the idea that he might have managed to escape to the forest and join the partisans. On that day, I lashed out at her and cried, why are you not doing something? How can you let him be killed? My poor mother was tortured by the events, and here I was shouting at her. I was so desperate to get out of my hiding place and be with my parents. I begged her over and over again to take me there, but they thought it would be too dangerous for me. Yeah. But it would have been. Because from that place they were taken and and killed. Yeah. Together with the person that was hiding them and another Jewish person who was there hiding too, four of them. On February 1st, 1944, at 10 p.m. on my mother's 46th birthday, the Gestapo came to where my parents were hiding. The Gestapo took both of them away, my father and mother with their host, and two others who he was hiding. One other. One other? Okay, one other. To a nearby field. There was a witness to this scene, a Polish passerby. Apparently, my father was the one who comforted the others, and he said... I hoped we would survive to see the end of the war, but this is it. The Gestapo told the Pole to dig graves and then directed a barrage of shots at my mother, my father, the others. The witness lost his ability to speak for two weeks. The only reason they were killed was because they were Jews and their host, who was a Christian, was killed for hiding them in his house. I found out about my parents about a month or so after their murder. Look, this, Bianca, this is incomprehensible for for us. Incomprehensible. Well, do you know how I found out? Because by then, just before they were murdered, my mother knew that I'm going crazy being alone and locked in day after day. And she uh, managed to, um, to ask the people that were hiding me, to take me to the father of the person that was hiding me, mm. because the, these were older people. The mother and father were at home, also in Warsaw, in an apartment. But it wasn't as, as um, safe, because in that apartment was their younger son and a, a friend of the son, two young men, and an older sister. So there were people coming in and out. I was sleeping in the live. There was living room, one bedroom, kitchen, bathroom. So in the living room, the pa- parents were sleeping. They put a little cot beside them for me. The two young men were sleeping in the same room, 
and the sister had a little room of, for herself. But um, I didn't know about it that, that I can go there yet. I had no idea. My mother tried to arrange it. The night that they were killed and the people who were, who were, hid, who were hiding me found out immediately the next day they're trying to get rid of me because my mother visited me that day, not me, but went to the place. Yeah. I was locked in. It was her birthday. She made some cookies or little cakes or something. She left them with a neighbor for these people, not for me, obviously, because nobody knew that I was there. And um, when they found out that my mother was there, the people who hid me, mm. they were afraid that somebody might have followed her just before they were killed that same night. So the next night, the father came for me, uh, took me on a bus to their place, and I was happy. I won't, I won't be alone anymore, not knowing it, that it was because of my parents were killed the night before that I was going out that day. <laughs> and I didn't know about it, as I said, here for at least a month. Nobody told me, and I didn't know why my mother wasn't coming to visit me once a week and bringing books for me to read from library why I didn't hear from them. And they said that they had to move out of Warsaw. And I still didn't know why she wasn't sending me a little letter or anything. Eventually, my teacher from the ghetto, who, was who used to teach me uh, history mm. and who uh, knew my mother, they were from the same town. And he, she, every time my mother came from university back, this girl was looking at this beautiful Renya mm -hmm. coming home. She came, she was also hiding. And she came over one day and she said, you know, I have to tell you something. And that was about a month after all this. And I said, I don't think you have to tell me. I think I know. Mm. And I realized they must have been killed. And um, so then a few months after that, there was a Polish Warsaw uprising. Polish people, mm -hmm. not the ghetto. Mm -hmm. And so the Germans were out. I went out at 15, I think. And I took part in the uprising. And I was carrying food. I was carrying bags of grain uh, that they make porridge of, etc. Um, in this, uh, for the center of, of the town where the Polish underground army was stationed. Mm -hmm. um, and I was carrying it through the tunnel. It's uh, on, called Jerozolimska Street, under the street. It was a sewer. You were, we were going through the sewer mm -hmm. from the place where the storage was, taking it to these people to cook, to make soup with. So that was my job. That was my part in the uprising <laughs> of Warsaw at 15. <laughs> You know, when I'm talking about that, I, I don't think about myself. I think about this person, this girl. This other girl. Yeah, this yeah, other girl. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that was the fastest interview I've ever – it just went like that. Really? We, oh, it's – I'm so uh, – I'm going to – this is not cool to say it all, but I'm going to invite myself over to your place for a cup oh, of tea please sometime. Please do. Please do. Because I want to know so much more. I can show you pictures. I want to know so much more. Oh, yes. Please do. I guess I want to finish this conversation with this question. Might be two questions. We'll see. 
you survived, everyone else you loved and knew and care about did not. Except one little cousin of mine, Gabriel. Okay. Yes. Do you ever feel guilty that you survived? No, not really. I didn't feel guilty, no. Beautiful. No. Beautiful. You can understand no, how I some can. might feel that way. No? Uh, yes. I, Everyone I else died. I lived. Why me? I feel bad. No, well, but I not think you. That I'm glad that I did survive because that way I gave my parents life because I had children and Beautiful. I have grandchildren. Beautiful. So they are not, you know, forgotten. Beautiful. They are not yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah. My final question. Do you think there's a God? That I don't know. I have no idea. Because when I'm not, I, I'm not religious because I don't know. Right. Well, when I left, uh, what's the Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem called again? Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem. Yes. When I walked out of Yad Vashem, out of the children's exhibit, I was very, very angry with God. Yeah. It yeah. Was, where it, was the God? Where was God? Where was he? Yeah. Yeah. I don't expect life to be perfect for everybody. No. Bad things happen to good people. I get that. But millions? Children. Children? Children. And, and they were, apparently, they were his people, God's people, God's chosen people, your people. No, I don't, I don't, I don't have any answers at all. This is what we'll discuss over tea someday a little bit more. What do you think? Okay. I'd love to. Okay. I'd love to. Thank you. Oh, you know what? I'm going to come to uh, your temple uh, in a few weeks and visit. For There's a candle lighting ceremony coming up. I, I think so. I don't remember. Yeah. May I sit with you? When, when is it? It depends when, when, <laughs> when I'm there. Whether I'm there. If I'm coming, you better come. <laughs> well, you let me know. I want to sit with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing a bit of your story on You're our welcome. show. Yeah. It was, I, and I, it's painful because there's so much more that we could, we could chat about. But, uh, folks, you need to know this woman's name and her story. Her name is Bianca Krzyzewski. She is a Holocaust survivor. And her story and many other stories were written in this, in this book, Before All Memory is Lost. Uh, we have a link to this book on our website, but you can Google it yourself and look for it. Today is Remembrance Day, and it was really important that we remember your family on this day. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, Bianca. And I just came back from the, you know, and at the end of Palmer Avenue. What is this? The oh, the uh, the, the uh, uh, cenotaph. Cenotaph yes. ceremony. Yeah, the yeah. ceremony. You were there. Yeah, yeah. I, dro I drove. I couldn't get to the studio. It was all you guys were blocking the streets. Come on. Well, I was walking, so. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but we used to go with my husband every time, too. Oh, good. Yeah. good. Thank you. Thank Take you care. very much. Yeah. Too.